thanks guys. I am super excited to be here. And are you guys excited for summer? Past Tommy's just getting you all pumped up about it. One more week of school, right? You guys only have one more week left and then you're done? Nice, nice. Yeah, actually, I'm already on summer break because of college, got done a little earlier, me and Gabby. But I am so looking forward to this summer. We got camp, like he was talking about, and then I'm super excited. My family, every year, we go on a uh, trip to Florida, spend some time in Cocoa Beach. At, yeah, at a resort, it's real nice. Uh, we have a great time. So I'm really looking forward to that trip as well. I'm also super excited to be with you guys bringing the word because the last time I brought the word was in Luke chapter 2. And now we're picking up in chapter 7 where Mr. Jeremy left us off last week. So um, we're going to pray and then we'll dive in. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, I pray that you would increase, that I would decrease. Father God, that it would be your words that come forth. Just lift your hands real quick and just say, I love the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I'm here to receive what you have for me. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you guys, I hope you got your Bibles because the passage is not on your handouts. It will be on the PowerPoint, but I really strongly encourage you guys to bring your Bible so you can make notes in it, all right? So starting off, the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. All right, so just real quick so we know where we're at. What is all these things referring to? Raise your hand and let's see who remembers. Problems? Problems? No. Okay. Um... A oh, lady, you want to try? No, no ladies? All right, James, hit it. Well, yes, that's what Mr. Jeremy talked about. Specifically, what Jesus did was the miracles, which were, ladies, remember what the miracles were? Hold on. Yes, faith, the centurion, slave healed, and yes, raised the widow of Nain's son. Good job. So now we know where we're at, back at it. Also, you can write a cross-reference to Matthew 11 because that chapter records the same exact story that we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, they're pretty much the same, but actually Matthew's version has a little bit more details, and so I'm going to throw in a couple of those as appropriate. The first of which is that John was imprisoned when all of this was happening. Herod had thrown him in jail, all right? You guys with me? All right. So, summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? All right, time out. This is John the Baptist asking if Jesus is really the Messiah, or if they need to be looking for him still. That's crazy. This is the John the Baptist we learned about way back in chapter 1, who had the miraculous birth. And he leapt in his mother's womb when he heard Mary's greeting. This is the guy who was the forerunner of the Messiah, and he baptized Jesus, and he testified about him that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now he's sending his disciples to say, hey, I know you've been healing people left and right, raising the dead, but I just felt like I needed to ask, are you the Messiah or just a really cool guy? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's crazy. But so why was John asking this question? 
I mean, it seems crazy that he'd be asking. I'm going to let you think on it for a second. We're going to come back to it in a minute. When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. So basically, Jesus is like, look, man, you need to just look at the things I've been doing. But he redirects them back to his messianic works, which just coincidentally he had done a bunch of. Part of the explanation for this is that the Jews of Jesus' day did not um, think the Messiah would come announcing himself, drawing attention to himself, but that he would let his deeds reveal his true identity. And then Jesus says this statement. Uh, to close out to the John's disciples, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Say offense. So Jesus reveals that not only was John questioning whether he was the Messiah or not, but there was actually some offense at Jesus in John's heart. So now back to our question. Why was John offended with Jesus? This is also where we get the title of our sermon, Offended at Christ. Any thoughts? Raise your hand. All right, James, you already answered one. Let's, let's let... All right, Elizabeth. What did you say? He left him in jail. Well, he is in prison. That is exactly what I'm thinking is the reason for it. And uh, it's not that Jesus left him <clears throat> there. Excuse me. It was part of the plan. Everything that John was hearing would have been confirming his faith. But what was causing his faith to falter was not anything about Jesus' person, but John's own personal situation, which leads to a couple observations that I think we can learn from John. It's on your handout. Doubt arises more from suffering than a lack of evidence. Every person who follows Jesus is going to suffer offense for his sake. I hate to break it to you guys, but at least now you know. So hopefully you won't be as surprised when it happens because it's going to happen. But this isn't something to be afraid of because everyone is going to have a unique experience of this. Right now we have brothers and sisters around the world dealing with ISIS, torture, even being killed for the sake of being a Christian. Right now we're dealing with a little bit of flack for our stance on homosexuality, a couple other issues. We're not being killed or carted off to jail yet, so I'll gladly take what we have and uh, be thankful for that. Amen? Amen? But the solution that I've seen in my own life when doubts have arisen, because I have had doubts before um, from suffering, is to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And you see, in John... He was hearing about how Jesus was radically impacting other people's lives. I mean, think about it. The deaf hearing, lame walking, the dead being raised. But that didn't make a difference for John and, because he was still in prison. And it, what, Jesus, the Messiah, was not impacting his life in any observable way. So like John, I've had times where I've questioned 
whether this whole Jesus thing was for real or not. I mean, I've heard testimonies of other people, and they're like, oh, man, in worship, God just, you know, hit me, and I was on the floor, like Mr. Jeremy talked about last week, and, you know, other crazy stories, but it wasn't happening in my life. But what brought me back was having a personal encounter where Jesus stepped into my life. Now, although God can and does sometimes do big things, for me, it wasn't him changing a situation or appearing in a vision or anything extravagant. For me, that personal encounter was when I learned to get still in his presence and to hear his voice speaking over and into my life. And the game changer was when I took Liberty's Prophecy 1 class, actually at the start of this year. Now, you guys... I hope you know this. You don't need a class to be able to prophesy or hear God's voice. But I highly recommend this class to everyone because what it did was, for me, it taught me the do's and don'ts of prophecy and allowed me to practice prophesying and hearing God's voice in a safe environment where we were all learning and then where there was leaders. There was proper authority and covering so it was safe. And so, again, I highly recommend that to everyone if this is something where you struggle with hearing the voice of God because I'm telling you, it can make a difference. I was talking with someone else, a friend the other day, and he was having the exact same situation. Questioned the whole God thing. Why? Couldn't hear God's voice, and it just didn't seem real to him. And when you hit those struggles, it's a valuable thing to have. Amen? The second thing I think we can learn from John is that he was human. John, exactly. Exactly. No duh, but he was an amazing man of God, and yet even he had doubts. Even he had weaknesses. And I take great comfort in that because I know I'm not perfect, and so I hope that that encourages you all as well. Having doubts or falling short doesn't disqualify you from the kingdom of God. It just makes you human. So, let's see. Keep on rolling. When the messengers of John had left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. Now, before we read what Jesus said, I want to prep you guys for what we're about to see. Two things. First of all, he asked the crowd the same question three times. And then secondly, did you guys know that God has a sense of humor? Yeah, yeah you all did know that. That's good. Well, we're about to see a great example of it. Because Jesus, in this verse, is playing around with the crowd. You see, I think when he asked the question the first two times, there was silence. Nobody said anything. And so Jesus throws out two clearly wrong answers. One, he's just messing with them. I think the other part is that he wanted them to actually think about it and to give an answer. Let's check it out. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are found in royal palaces. So you can see, obviously, nobody's going to go out in the middle of the desert just to check out the reeds. I mean, <laughs> that's a waste of time. It would be about as weird to put it in. And for the second one, in our terms, if you were to go climb Kennesaw Mountain, hang out up there, and you see a man in a business suit just chilling up there or walking up it like that, that would be pretty crazy. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider yeah. Um, and G for what Jesus was saying, it would be about as weird as if... Um, seeing the Muppets crawling around in the middle of the desert. I mean, that's just not stuff that you see. So again, Jesus is clearly messing with the people. 
So on the third time, we're about to see, finally, someone throws out an answer. And they get it right. They say, a prophet. However, it's not the completely right answer. And so Jesus gives the more complete answer. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. So Jesus reveals that, yes, John was a prophet, but even more than that, he was the forerunner of the Messiah in fulfillment of prophecy in Malachi 3.1. All right. Now we're about to read one of those statements in the Bible, as Jesus finishes up here, that make it frustrating to read the Bible. Because it seems on the one hand that Jesus says one thing, and then he turns right around and seems to say the exact opposite. And we're just left scratching our heads like, what's going on? <laughs> but I'm going to walk you guys through it, and you all are going to figure it out. Okay? Junior high did a great job with it, so I have confidence. I say to you, among those born of women... There is no one greater than John, yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All right, so Jesus is making um, a contrast here. So raise your hand and tell me, what is he contrasting? I know you guys got this. What was it, uh, Reuben? Say again? A man from God. Well, what's the contrast? A man not from God? <laughs> uh, Rachel, did you have something? Uh, come on, you guys are senior high. I know school's almost out, Ben. Yeah, you're, you're definitely on the right track. I was trying to walk this through you step by step. You guys are jumping to the big conclusions. But, yes, he's making a contrast between who is the greatest. He says John's the greatest on one hand, but then he says he's not the greatest on the other, or whoever's least in the kingdom is greater than he. And so the two categories there, um, which you were, someone was bringing up, Rachel, I think I heard you say it maybe, was born of women in the kingdom of God. So he says that according to man's standards, or those born of women, that John was the greatest. I mean, he was a prophet, he was the forerunner of the Messiah. I mean, it's pretty important, pretty big stuff. So according to man's standards, he was great. But yet, Jesus says that even the least, according to God's standards, is greater than the greatest man, according to man's standards. So it's really a contrast between God's standards and man standards. You guys see that? That making sense? Okay. Because, you know, a similar phrase for kingdom of God is those born of God. Like John uses that. And uh, another thought with this is that John served as a dividing line between the old and the new covenants. So you and I enjoy greater spiritual benefits, blessings, and power than even the Old Testament saints. I know it's hard to think about it, you know, Elijah and Moses and, you know, John the Baptist, but you and I have greater power because of the Holy Spirit in us than they did. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I got the power. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All righty. So continuing on, 
uh, we have Luke now is going to make his own contrast. Luke steps into the narration and makes this comment. And it's actually parallelism, too. It's pretty cool. When all the people and the tax collectors heard this, our first group, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, our second group, rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. So I remember reading this exact verse years ago, and it rocked my world. Do you guys see what John or Luke wrote here? Underline that in your Bibles if you have them, because that is so key. So Luke is saying that everyone, God has a purpose for everyone. But there are certain steps that lead up to achieving our purpose that if we miss those crucial steps, then we can end up missing God's purpose or his call on our life. And so for the Pharisees, um, because they didn't recognize and respond to God's call to repentance through John, they, uh, their hearts weren't prepared for Jesus as the Messiah. And so they spent all their time fighting against him, as we know so tragically, rather than sitting underneath him as his disciples, as they should have been. So to give you guys some examples of how this might play out in your own lives, since John the Baptist isn't walking around baptizing people anymore. So P.S. has been teaching on evangelism in our Dr. Luke series. And Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. So if you are wanting to see revival, Tariq, in your school, and I know that's a big thing, but if you're, you're going to go for it. But God is consistently calling you to reach out to just one person. And for whatever reason, you're not doing it. Whether it's the weird kid or whether it's, you know, a kid who's an atheist or you just don't feel like it today. I, didn't, I missed breakfast, whatever. You're not doing it. Um, God cannot entrust you with revival because you missed that step. Another example, if you are wanting to have a great career in the future, and, but you're being lazy in school, then you may be rejecting God's calling to you for a great career. And then lastly, if you want to do great things for the kingdom of God, but you're neglecting your, the personal development of your walk with him, prayer and the word, and you're not serving in areas where you can serve now, then you may miss the destiny that God has for you. So to put this simply, I have a phrase, and it's on your handout. Don't focus on achieving your purpose. Focus on following Jesus, and you'll achieve your purpose in the process. Because, you see, it says clearly in that verse that the Pharisees rejected God's purpose for themselves. So this isn't something that you're just going to stumble into. I know some people can be overly concerned, you know, am I missing my purpose? Am I missing my purpose? You know, should I do this? Should I do that? But if you just focus on following Jesus, if he says to minister to someone, you do it. He says to go somewhere, you go. He says don't do this, you don't do it. If you focus on doing that, then your purpose is a done deal, and it's all going to work itself out. Amen?
All right. So bringing it to a close, Jesus has a parable to close us out. It's a little more confusing stuff, but it'll be all good. Um, to what then shall I compare the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. And they say, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. Um, now, a dirge, if you're wondering, is just like a funeral song, uh, a song of mourning. You're supposed to obviously weep to it. Uh, now, Jesus, I'm, I'm breaking up the parable because I think sometimes it's helpful if we break it up into its parts and look at it. Um, it just helps us figure it out easier. So the clear message so far is that there was an inappropriate response to their peers. When they played a dancing song, they didn't dance. When they sang uh, the mourning song, they didn't weep or they didn't mourn. All right? And so keeping that in mind, Jesus now tells us what the characters represent. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, there is debate as to what this exactly means, but in the commentaries, the, the majority opinion was that the Pharisees represented the children who were playing the music, and John and Jesus represented the their peers who had the inappropriate response. And the reason for this is that the Pharisees were trying to call the shots. They wanted John and Jesus to behave a certain way, um, but they didn't do that. They didn't conform to the mold that the Pharisees wanted them to fill. And you know, it's funny, I think we encounter the same thing in our lives as well as followers of Jesus. The world, and even sometimes religious people, they want to tell you how to think, how to act, how to dress. They want to tell you how to live your life. But I just want to encourage you guys that when you follow Jesus, you're going to hit some opposition, and you're going to go against the grain because um, Jesus did it, and he's our leader. He was a rebel, so I'm not telling you to break the rules for the rule's sake, but if you, like I said, if you're following God after your purpose, then it is going to happen. And then the last verse, yet wisdom is vindicated by all her Children, You can write deeds next to that in your Bible because Matthew's version reads deeds. And uh, it says basically the same thing. Uh, the meaning is the same. I think Matthew's version just makes a little bit more sense. Uh, basically, Jesus is saying that although the Pharisees uh, didn't like John or Jesus' way because they didn't fit the mold, that the fruit of their ministry ultimately will determine... Uh, whether the Pharisees were right or not. And, of course, we know that they weren't. <laughs> so um, that brings us to a close. We're about to break up into tribe groups, but I'm going to just um, pray us out. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. And I just pray that the word would fall into good soil and that you would bring a harvest a hundredfold, Lord God. I pray for the discussion time that you'd be with the leaders and that you would just guide the discussion that you would be in this place, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.